0: So, John, darling, why is it we're driving all the way to Rutland, Vermont?
1: Maggie, why did you wait until we're almost there to ask me? We've been driving forever.
0: I've actually been asking you since we left Wisconsin. But every time I do, you take the wrong exit, and we wind up in a different state.
2: I'm also wondering about the Vermont thing, but I also have a series of other questions, mostly about the life size statue of Grimlock you two spent an hour assembling on my lawn?
1: Look, Jeff needed room to sit down somewhere, and it wouldn't fit on the roof of the car. man has a point. No. Never mind. How
2: does someone take the wrong turn on the way to Vermont and end up in Oregon?
0: I've asked that one, too. That's a good
1: question. (laughs) I have to admit. Fair question. It really does baffle the mind.
0: Is that Al Sedano? Hello.
1: Yeah. We stopped in Florida on the way back from Oregon.
0: Darling. How? Well, on a basically straight... Easterly path across the northern United States, did we end up in Florida?
1: I thought that Al still lived in New York. But I took the wrong exit and wound up in Florida. Eventually. Because you wound up in New Mexico before you got there. Somehow. And picked Sean up.
0: Hey, Sean Ross is here too? How many people are in this car?
1: I can't remember if it was before or after, but I think it was right before we got Clinton Robinson. But I could be wrong... I can never remember where Oklahoma is. I can never remember where Oklahoma is. And I've lived there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow.
3: Why are they laughing? Is it me?
1: Do they know? Is everything a private joke with you people? Uh, random nonsense. Wait, John M. Wilson and Lane are also in this car? Hello. Hi.
4: And me, Tim Price.
0: John, I love you, but if you don't tell me what's going on, our podcast is changing to Maggie with Crocheting, and you don't get to be on it. Why are we driving to Vermont? Where did we get this TARDIS of a rental car? And why did we pick up all these podcasters from across the country?
1: Um, All right, all right, all right. Remember that mysterious, evil, but most of all, really, really gaudy envelope that we got that you told me to throw away immediately without opening it? Well, I didn't throw it away, and I opened it. And inside were free tickets to Rutland, Vermont, along with a letter that was cryptically unsigned and said we get to be grand marshals in the parade this year, but that this year it was on Thanksgiving instead of
4: Halloween. Hey, I got one of those mysterious letters, too. We We all got letters. letters. Does anyone else's mysterious letter smell like sulfur? Mm Mm-hmm. And does anyone else know where that music is coming from? Oh, Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> Damn it,
0: John! Who's this guy?
3: Maybe now some of you will stop jumping to conclusions about where that sulfur smell is coming from. Greetings, casters of pods!
4: It is I, Mephisto! We know! I don't.
1: I have my suspicions.
4: Horrible,
3: horrible suspicions.
4: Be not suspicious, O comics-casting caffeinated consumer. I freely divulge my intentions, since you have no hope against them. You will all proceed to legendary Rutland, Vermont, home of many a Halloween costume parade. And while there, cast your pods gloriously about various comics situated in that demonic, uh, I mean, idyllic locale. Starring a veritable league of avenging adventure for a generation of Bat-fans and, uh, Thor something. So beware, listeners of Mephisto vs. the Podcasters Year 666. Podcasters on Parade. Featuring the podcasting talents of Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Resurrections, the Warlock and Thanos podcast. Married with Crossover podcast with John and Maggie. Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Coffee and comics. Ninjas and bots. You'll never look at Vermont the same way again. <laughs> no! No! <laughs>
1: uh, honey! Honey, wake up. You won't believe the dream I just had. Well, don't you want to hear about it?
4: All right, John. What is it?
1: Well, I was in a car with a bunch of podcasters. And Mephisto was making us do another Halloween podcast.
4: That settles it. No more Japanese food before you go to bed. You know as well as I do that it's on Thanksgiving this year.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, wait a minute! Aren't you supposed to be Susan Plichette? <laughs>
3: vroom vroom
2: vroom. One twenty four radio control. We own the road. www.maisto.com. Maisto Tech. Bum, 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 bum.
3: Dear listener to our podcast. Jeff and Rick
2: present Unpacking the Power
3: of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome
2: and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am
3: Rick. Oh, ooby do I want a random like you, I want a banner like you, talk like you too, random Banter time, buddy! Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Of the two of us, there's only one of us. That is a bear. And that's me.
2: We've had this discussion before. We have said it as fact. You sir are a snake, I am a bear. That is our jungle book. <laughs>
3: Outside of that, why would I have picked this song for this episode?
2: Because it's I want to be like you, and Finesse mm-hmm. wants to be like Magneto. But then at the end, she says, no, 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 I'm going to be like you,
3: quick guy. Yeah, that's exact exact phrasing she said. Hey, quick guy, I want to be like you.
2: Now you're just making it creepy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and old Quickie goes, okay.
2: You're making it even worse. Stop it. <laughs>
3: Bringing my special flavor to the show.
2: (laughs) Just for that, just for that. And because we're recording this in the lovely month of October, even though this is going to be going out sometime in November, yeah, November, it's going to go out November 19th. Even though that is the case, I am going to go ahead and bring up something that is going to just stop you in your tracks and say, whoa,
3: Mm -hmm. I watched,
2: I don't know why I said that. I really don't know why I said that. I was going to tell you that on Sunday, I did a kind of quick watch by myself, just using my tablet and kind of walking off over into corners of the place that I'm sharing with my family so that I could watch it alone. And my daughter Mm -hmm. wouldn't see what I was watching and my wife wouldn't see. And I was watching The Fall of the House of Usher.
3: Oh, okay. I've seen stuff about that. I've been curious about it. Not enough to watch it, but curious about it. It's fine. It's enjoyable. I thought it was Mm -hmm. quite fun. There were parts that were very
2: predictable. The... Final episode has a buildup to something that as it was happening and as the reveal of something was occurring, I said, this is what the reveal is going to be. And -hmm. then I kicked myself. Well, first, I just did an absolute laugh out loud because I was right and because of what it was. And then I sat there kicking myself saying, why, oh, why, oh, why did I not see that coming a mile (laughs) away like I should have? (laughs) So. That being said, like I said, there's predictability in it. Once you start seeing what the pattern is and once you Mm -hmm. start knowing what to expect, you're like, okay, this is going to be occurring. You still have a bit of a shock value on just how much and over the top certain things are and how Mm -hmm. there is a level of, oh my gosh, that's pretty graphic kind of a thing. But all that being said, it's quite enjoyable. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I was a nice burn through of a day. So, yeah, get a chance. Check it out. Plus, also... And this took me way too long to realize because I wasn't really paying that close attention to the names on the credits. (laughs) And I wasn't looking up certain people that were in it. And Mm -hmm. finally, I was like, who is who is this lawyer who is playing this part? He is playing it. Just he's just chewing the scenery. He's playing it with his gravelly voice. He's kind of a shorter guy and he's just very intense. And why do I? does he look familiar, but I'm not placing him. Looked at Cast List and I just saw the name. I didn't even see who was playing it. I just saw the name it was like Mark Hamill's in this. Who is Mark? Oh my God. That's Mark Hamill. <laughs> he's the lawyer. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious me. And he, <laughs> he just choose the scenery.
3: <laughs> he does it a lot of his roles and it is always delightful. He, he has fun. As soon as I put it together, I'm like,
2: why didn't I just recognize that as Mark Hamill? I can see him playing his day now. I'm, mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? So yeah, it was, they've got some, a pretty good cast in there. Uh, it's very, very mature only, very graphic, mm-hmm. very shocking. But I think they do a very cool job of interweaving all of Edgar Allan Poe's works, which is the cool part of it. It's not just oh, okay. the fall of the House of Usher. It is all of Edgar Allan Poe, all of it. They find That's places for everything in there, which makes it fun. They, they modernize all of the stories. They don't only modernize all the stories, but they create a modern tale that wraps in a lot of elements of the different parts of his work. And it's very clever, and it's done well, and I think it makes sense. It's very much a snapshot in time of what's happening now. I think that there probably is going to be an age on this where, you know, in about five, ten years, people are not going to get some of the stuff that's in here, because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is kind of ripped from the headlines right now. So that's putting a shelf life on it. Still, I think it's quite enjoyable to watch. It's, it's worth a, your moment if you've got a, a time to watch it.
3: If I can find time for it. It was one that I, I actually had just recently read an article with uh, Lady Gaga talking about, like, her process of becoming the character. And she, like, talked to her and the Usher Lady in prison. And she said she really kind of got into character and really lived that and kind of abandoned her own family for, like, six months or something you mean the for Gucci? it. So.
2: The, the fall? The, you're thinking of um, the House of Gucci.
3: Okay. Then uh, you're right. I am completely missed A lot of falling going on.
2: Wow, you just—I'm not. I'm gonna redo that. I'm gonna okay. let people see how yeah, much you right. just ran into the wall. All yeah, right, had me so kind of questioning what you're talking about when you brought Lady Gaga into it, and then when yeah, you start talking, and I'm Adam like, going, Driver, yeah. no, Gucci, okay, Gucci okay, there we go. Gucci, and Usher—completely
3: different. I—I'll I, be honest. It's uh, yeah, yeah. That's on me, but that's also because I had only slight interest and in Fall of the House of, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then a you last don't listen name. to
2: me. You don't listen to me. No, I did. Over. I just,
3: I, I <laughs> misconstrued what it was. So I listened. I just, I realized now I have no idea what show you're talking about. It's on Netflix. All. It's on okay. Netflix.
2: It's called Follow the House of Usher. What have you been up to besides well, sniffing I'm, glue? <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I also, <laughs> yeah, it was not a good week for get, quitting sniffing glue. So I just kept on doing that. So I had no idea what Rick was saying since it's October and stuff, I'll tie it into that for, uh, I got to finally finish watching gravity falls, which is a really great cartoon series from about, I think like 12 years ago or something. Really, really, really neat. It's about two twins, brother and a sister. They're 12. They come out to spend the summer in gravity falls with their grunkle stand, their gr- great uncle. And he runs a mystery shack in Oregon. So he's in a, like a small town in Oregon. He's got the, Monkey sewn on to the fish body. He's got ooh, the whole of mystery and ah, it's, you know, it's a it's a unicorn made of corn and it's it's a tourist trap. But it turns out that Gravity Falls is actually like a hotbed of paranormal activity, and so the kids are investigating it and solving like you know mysteries of like oh, it's the Loch Ness monster in the in the uh, in the lake and doing a bunch of stuff and just really really well done, really really interesting and neat, and so. Uh, I've been all about that lately, so it's just fantastic.
2: What I find interesting is that I've seen that before, and I don't remember anything that you're talking about because I I don't remember Sandra Bullock or George Clooney being part of that (laughs) at all.
3: Yeah, in space. uh, You're you're talking about gravity, right? You're talking about gravity, right? Yeah, gravity falls. How does that Mm. feel? How does that feel? Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. felt okay. I saw where you were going immediately with that. It was not a surprise. Yeah,
2: Yeah, not that surprised. (laughs) All right. Are we done insulting each other? Do you think we can find other people to insult?
3: Oh, well, we're going to be covering an issue that has uh, X-Men talking to people in the Avengers and also Magneto's there with Quicksilver. So I think we're set on that regard.
2: I will say, not as much insults as I thought would happen, and yet, a lot of anger. A lot of anger.
3: There was quite a few insults in there, so...
2: Yeah, but how did we get here, Jeff? Can you please tell me why we're even talking about Avengers? What happened to bring us here?
3: Well, Rick... The Avengers stop by the academy to see the changes and to talk to the old full-time students about the additional care and mentoring that they are going to get, so said students attack them because they thought that they were going to get kicked out, and ain't nobody got time to hear what another person has to say about anything. Jocasta puts a stop to everyone's nonsense, and then promptly gets killed off-screen for her troubles, and it seems that Reptile has been psychically replaced by an evil, older version of himself for reasons. Now that the Julie Power is joining the school as a full-time student and as a teacher's assistant, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I found out this weekend, or I
2: remembered after the end of the weekend, that instead of watching all of the Fall of the House of Usher, not Gucci, that I was doing, I really should have gone out to the beer store and bought beers for this and future episodes because we've caught up, and I didn't. So I had to run out Monday night pick up some beers, and drop one over at your house. The rest are still here.
3: Can you tell the nice folks what beer I dropped over at your house? It was a pleasant surprise when you stopped by and handed me a beer and said, well, bye. We talked for a little bit. It was nice. It is. Oh, I see a smiley face. This is a Battleground Washington Barrel Mountain Brewing. Be happy. It's a Hefeweizen Ale. Where beer and adventure meet. That's great. We've actually we've had a beer at, in Battleground at a bar before, so or several. We had some stouts. It was when we were doing a night caching event that you were running.
2: That's right. We did that. Yeah. Hang on. You had me at we had a beer somewhere at night. This sounds familiar.
3: <laughs> this sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is a uh, Topo map with some smiley faces on it. It's uh, just a silver can with some brown striping on it, and it looks like a like National Forest sign. But there are the many happy. around Oregon, yep. and you've seen many yep. of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, why would I get something called Be Happy? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't pick Be Happy. You'd pick it because <laughs> it's in Battleground, which is the Avengers student campus between everybody there. But also, Julie's pretty happy, and Hazmat tells her to just be happy out in the open. Really, what we need to tell everybody in this book is, why don't you all just be happy? Yeah.
2: Hey, Hawkeye, be happy. Hey, yeah. hey, <laughs> Hank. Be happy. I know that your robot that you built got destroyed and all, but be yeah. happy. Hey, hey, Magneto, be happy.
3: Man, Magneto really needs to hey, be happy Hey, Quicksilver,
2: why don't you be happy?
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of folk needing to be happy in this.
2: I ran out to the store, saw this, and I was like, that sounds fun. <laughs> that would be a good <laughs> one for this.
3: I like it. It works really well for several different reasons.
2: Barrel Mountain Brewing. And this is Be Happy Hefe. is an American wheat beer that is well-balanced and surprisingly clean, crisp, and clear for being unfiltered. Brewed with a touch of honey and some bitter orange peel for some sweetness and hints of citrus. 4.7% ABV, 17 IBU. I was a bit of a bonehead for not giving you a lemon to go with your Hefeweizen.
3: Oh, that's okay. I could run upstairs and get some lemon juice right now, but I'm going <laughs> to try it unadulterated. Though that, that being said, I drink every hef that I bring into the house. I, I squeeze some lemon juice into it just to... it makes it really pop because this smells like it's nice it's pleasant it's mild aroma on the nose mm-hmm. smells like a half uh it's got that cool very nice amber color light amber and bubbly and kind of hazy so it looks like an unfiltered half i'm gonna tell you right now i don't think you need the lemon hmm yeah you said that they put what citra hops in there or uh we got honey or something
2: some bitter orange peel Yep. you don't need the lemon the lemon is in here. They have pre lemon this for yeah, you. They, which is nice. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. I was not expecting the lemon hit on here. Mm-mm. The honey's in there to give it some sweetness. Mm-hmm. The bitter orange peel helps with that citrus. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: All those flavors are really kind of coming through. Yeah. It's not like a really strong orange flavor, but it is that bitter citrus kind of taste.
2: Mm-hmm. It's good. I, yeah, it's good. The nice thing about Hefeweizens is that... They're your all weather beer. I know that lagers are kind of the table beer, you might say, but really, especially in the Pacific Northwest, I've seen that Hefeweizen's have, are for a while they were taking over. Actually, now that I think about oh, it, I think yeah. that, that the season of the Hefe has finally gone out. But it used to be most places you would go, Hefeweizen would be the normal beer. It was kind of what was expected, and that's what you had. Yeah, Widmer.
3: Yeah, Widmer Hefeweizen really made it a local institution. That's what I drank anytime I'd go out shooting pool, hanging out with friends, or something. It was always Hefs. Hefs, you want lemons? You bet. Just pictures of that with lemons. It's always great. There was an era for that probably about 30 years ago or something at this stage. Yeah, I think they got just completely train rode over by IPAs. Because IPAs came in and really just... There there was an era where it was a lot of experimentation seemed to be going on. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can get a really good stout and I can get a good half. And I can get these flavored beers and I can get this with peppers and fruits and da-da-da. It's just like excessive and it was great. And then the season of IPA came in like a winter blanket and just snowed IPA bitterness (laughs) on everything. And it was very sad because... I'd go to a store where I'd be like, I'm looking to get a beer. And it's like, I I don't want an IPA. (laughs) All that to say that what we have here is just a
2: simple, well, it's not simple. What we have here here is a very pleasant, very nice Hefeweizen. They have done us the favor of not having a lemon in there, which is good because Mm -hmm. you don't have the floaties of a lemon in there. They just have something that's got that nice citrus hit that you want with the Hefeweizen that really brings out the tang and taste and really hits those grain notes that are normal in Hefeweizens.
3: That's pleasant. Mm-hmm. That is really pleasant. I like this.
2: I, I don't have anything else to say. It's it's tasty. It's sweet. It's enjoyable. It is pleasant. It's something you want to have on the West Coast while your dad stops by to beat up your friends. You know, that kind of thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, to insult you and beat up your friends and make it all about himself.
2: That's, that's what I hope to do with my daughter's friends someday. And now, let's speak of this uh, <laughs> book here. Let's go ahead and get into the opening credits, if you please. This is about me! Jeff, it's always about me. Yeah.
3: Avengers Academy, issue number 22, January 2012. Disappointments. Credits. Writer. Christos N. Gage. Penciler. Sean Chen. Inkers. Scott Hanna. Rebecca Buchman. Colorist. Jeremy Cox. Letterer. Joe Caramonga, editors, Jake Thomas, Bill Roseman,
2: and featuring the staff, Giant Man, Tigra, Quicksilver, Jocasta, and Hawkeye, and the students, Finesse, Reptile, Striker, Metal, Hazmat, White Tiger, Lightspeed, Badwing, Wizkid, Justin Seafort, Butterball, Spider Girl, and special guest stars, the X-Men, Cyclops, Emma, and Magneto.
3: Picture, if you will, a mad scientist standing over the desecrated body of his creation, a metallic female femme fatal body, once filled with the memories of his ex-wife, built for the purpose of being a mate to his first creation, built as a vanity project about himself that then turned evil. You may feel you are in a horror movie, but you have just entered the Academy Zone.
2: Oh, and this mad scientist's current girlfriend is a human who was turned into a part of a cat through sorcery.
3: Well... Of course she was. But I didn't mention it because it just did not fit in with the cadence.
2: Tiger and Quicksilver are watching as Hank tries to CSI the culprit of the cyber side that occurred against his third greatest invention. However, he does not think that Jocasta is actually dead. Dead. Just mostly dead. She is a machine, so there has to be
3: some way to boot her back up. Also, he wants to find out who did this so that he can protect the students against them.
2: Yeah, because with this giant crew of kids and all the rest of the characters on the campus, there is no way that there aren't hundreds of threats that aren't constantly circulating anyway.
3: True, but that is a tomorrow problem. Today, we have this problem. And Hank is too close to the problem to figure this out. They need help from someone who can decipher electromagnetic energy and who can add another element of tension and angst to the book while also improving sales with crossover recognition.
2: Since when did Wolverine get a degree in
3: electromagnetic theory? Oh no, my friend. No, 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 no. The Avengers Academy just opened this new school in Cali. You think they got extra bread to pay for that kind of cameo? (laughs) No, sir, they do not. They need another money-making mutant. One that really upsets everyone, but especially upsets Quicksilver.
2: Okay, I saw the cover. I know it's Magneto. But before we get to the mutant invasion,
3: let's check in on the basketball game that's going on. Time-honored tradition. Using sports as a training tool for teamwork and power control. It looks like it's girls versus boys, with Julie rooting on team girls, very enthusiastically. White Tiger has the ball and is painfully fouled by Reptile. Rack! Apparently, he has been really giving White Tiger some grief, and this brings it to a head. Humberto angrily informs the White Tiger that he feels she has not earned the right to wear that suit. Her brother was an icon. What has she ever done to earn it?
2: Well, Mr. Reptile, if you wait a second, I am sure this uber-strong
3: lady can make this basketball disappear up your... Hey, 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 Look at that distraction coming in as a mess of students are flying over to see the arrival of
2: the... X-Men, X-Men, saving the day, saving the day. X-Men, X-Men, coming
3: your way. That 1989 Pride of the X-Men cartoon is just part of your soul, isn't it, Rick?
2: Rent-free in my mind ever since the day I paid cash money for the VHS tape at the comic book store the moment it came out.
3: Well, you may be as excited as Finesse, for reasons we will get to shortly. For now, we have Magneto, Emma Frost, and Cyclops meeting the head teaching staff.
2: Beep, 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 X-Men Update. This story is taking place during the X-Men Schism. This is where Cyclops and Wolverine have more or less broken up. Wolverine is focusing on the teaching and development of children who have powers, while Cyclops is building an army of mutant child soldiers. Film at 11.
3: Beep, 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 beep. Right, so the arrival of these three is seen as, well, controversial is a way of putting it. First, Emma and Magneto are still seen as villains to most people, and Cyclops is basically a terrorist right now.
2: The funny thing is that even though there are two distinct mutant factions, they still talk and support each other, more or less. Wolverine is an Avenger in good standing with the team,
3: and he has vouched for Cyclops and his crew. The politics get even weirder when you remember that this is still relatively recent after Decimation, where the Scarlet Witch, who is Quicksilver's sister and the sometimes daughter of Magneto, reduced the mutant population down to around 300 mutants, and some of that blame falls on Quicksilver. Comics, folks. Comics. Needless to say, there's going to be a lot of hard feelings between Magneto and Quicksilver, but first, Cyclops wants to talk about the elephant in the room.
2: Namely the giant sentinel in the compound with a teenager standing on his shoulder next to its head.
5: DESTROY ALL MUTANTS! SMACK! ZAP! WELCOME HONORED GUESTS!
2: You know what? We will address that in another book. There is enough elephantine-sized subjects in this book as it is. Like egos. And I'm not talking about the planet man, but about the really, really big character egos, with lots of baggage connected to them.
3: Ah yes, the tenderloin of this issue. Magneto and Quicksilver. Merrick and Pietro. Father and Son. Magnets and Speed. Um, uh, oil and water. First off, this is during the
2: time when they believed they are related. The familial connection about if they are or not actually related works a lot like a dimmer switch for your dining room light. Sometimes on, sometimes off. Most of the time, Somewhere in between, depending upon plot relevance.
3: At the moment, the Relationship Light is a brand new 500-watt halogen that has just been installed and has been lit to burning temperature. Your dinner guests will not be pleased that they are a father and son who hate each other, because that hate is burning them and their chicken cord in blue. Even saying hello to each other is a battle. In this case, this is a short one. As the X-Men walk into Dr. Pym's lab, there are two interactions we should touch on. First, is Quicksilver and Finesse. Jean has always been fascinated by Magneto and has wanted Quicksilver to teach her everything about him. Now he asks her what she sees, and she says, an old and sad man. Quicksilver is quick to point out that he is disappointed in her because Magneto has fooled her as well.
2: I interpret that to mean that Magneto is an old sad man who will still randomly drop satellites on you.
3: The other interaction is Hawkeye, now sporting his awesome newer suit, pointing out to Hank that they have two of the most evil mutants alive here, the White Queen and Magneto, just chilling in their foyer. Dude, this is why we have a boathouse. Stick him in there. Hank reminds Clinton that the Avengers
2: always give people who did bad things a second chance, or third, or sometimes an nth chance. You know, people like him and Hawkeye.
3: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Still... Hawkeye decides that today's lesson, just randomly for no real reason at all, will be on resisting mind control. Also, store all of your loose metal in the boathouse, (laughs) since it's not being used today, even though it really should be. Meanwhile, Reptile convinces Finesse that they should spy on the adults to find out what is the what. Inside the lab, Emma Frost offers to conduct a telepathic reading to see if the culprit is around. Just a surface scan for hostile thoughts. I can save you the trouble, lady. There is only hostile thoughts at the moment. While Quicksilver has concerns about this, that gives the okay. Unfortunately, some of the students and faculty produce some mystical interference, which means she would have to be more invasive. Also... FYI, y'all have some serious magic up in this place.
2: Hank agrees that they probably should do this while Magneto performs the energy autopsy on the eliminated android. But there's a snag. Mr. Magnetism has a demand, much to the surprise of his teammates. If he does this, then Quicksilver has to turn in his mutant card, metaphorically. He has caused enough damage and he should just butt out of all future affairs of Magnet Man's people.
3: Now they get into a verbal fight about who has done more harm to their kind. Either the guy who defined mutant terrorism, or the guy who arguably caused the decimation of mutant kind, and who tried to fix it using the Terrigan mists, which killed mutants and caused the Inhumans to wage war on Earth.
2: I personally think that was a mutant who keeps eating crackers in bed. Nobody likes that kind of jerk. Especially finesse. Check. All right. Finesse and Reptile were spying on the adults. Finesse has taken this moment to interject on Quicksilver's behalf by breaking through the skylight and sending a truncheon
3: at Magneto's chin. Skritch. Which causes Magneto to wrap wires around her.
5: Scratch
2: and which causes Quicksilver to double-punch Magneto. And everyone starts to react to help, but they get heavy things dropped on them, or hitting them. Most importantly, Emma Frost gets a big old oopsie doopsie Betty boopsie when Reptile transforms into an Ankylosaurus and smacks her in the back of the head, knocking out the telepath that could stop this big old bad PR campaign. All this while Reptile is yelling to his teammates that the X-Men attacked. that
3: angers Cyclops who blasts Reptile, which alerts Hawkeye, who shoots three exploding arrows into the melee, popping up friend and foe alike. While the chaos occurs, there's an interesting
2: interchange between Wizkid, Hazmat, and Lightspeed.
3: Gossip? (laughs) During a fight? Let me get you some tea so you can spill it in a saucer so you can dish. Well, Wizkid is confused what to do, because he is a mutant. Hazmat tells him that he is
2: an Avengers Academy, so he has to pick a side. This causes Lightspeed to state that they are all on the same side.
3: Okay, I'm still waiting for the good stuff.
2: This is called a setup. It's good writing.
3: <laughs> good writing. <laughs> it's good stalling is what it is.
2: Bzzz. So Hazmat says, big shock. You can't decide what team to play for. Then she goes on to list some observations before running into the fight.
3: Okay.
2: All right, let, let's just stick a trick arrow in that and unpack it over the next couple of issues.
3: Magneto is back up and has decided to drop some metal parts from the Death Star on the advancing heroes, which means he fails to see Finesse deliver a pretty sweet boot to his head.
2: ka Magneto reacts,
3: Quicksilver saves her,
2: Cyclops and Hawkeye square off, and finally Emma wakes up and announces that everyone needs to stop fighting, start talking, and to cover up this hole with super smart sharks in it before something happens
3: to Russell Franklin. Wait, that last bit was just from the Deep Blue Sea. Emma does the big old mental timeout, which can work on everyone but Magneto due to his gray hair hiding helmet. But she does convince him to settle
2: the heck down and talk to his son. (sighs) Fine. Great idea, considering all of his amazing previous attempts at this. Let's just break out the Harry Chapin album and let's get this over with.
3: The upshot is that Magneto admits that he sucks as a parent, but Quicksilver is a grown man. The choice Magneto makes now is to prevent Quicksilver from making mistakes based on how Magneto influenced him as he grew up. So,
2: it really is all about Magneto, according to Magneto.
3: Yeah, but thanks to the magic of transference and guilt and delayed responsibility, it is all Quicksilver's fault. Didn't we just finish his story about fathers and sons? Yes, yes we did. And it looks like this one is done too. Well, at least for now, with Quicksilver walking away, scorning his father and not jumping off a roof for him.
2: Good. We can finally get back to CSI Palo Verdes, as the master of magnetism determines that Jacosta is covered in tachyons, and that suggests portals in time
3: and or space. So, the suspect list has just grown. Terrific. I hope the Avengers stiff the X Men on the consulting bill.
2: Well, that is all wrapped up. With a brief interaction between Magneto and the two kids who started
3: the brouhaha, Repton Finesse, the X Men are ready to leave. Magneto does not want to see them punished too much. He likes that kind of initiative in his soldiers.
2: Scott and Hank have a nice moment, too. Hank sees the opportunity for some really neat school interactions between their students, maybe even building bridges that reduce the number of hero-on-hero fights that seem to always occur. Maybe, just maybe, some intramural baseball will curtail problematic history of violence seen between different
3: superhero teams. Oh, Hank, you silly fool. Don't you remember that this is a group of mutants that are building an army? You need to chat with Wolverine, man. You know, the logical one. The one who is the best there is at what he does. And what he does is be a principal of a school of young, bright-eyed academics. What a bizarre world we live in. Still, a nice seed is planted for a future book. One last thing. We need to wrap up the Finesse and Quicksilver relationship. Pietro is practicing playing tennis against himself, because that is what you do when you're a speedster, when Finesse shows up.
2: She is impressed that Quicksilver stood up to his dad. It's something she could never do with her family. They demanded perfection, and when she delivered it, they demanded more. Like many performance reviews I have attended, the bar for Meets Expectations was
3: constantly on the move. Oh, hey, that's a good reminder, Rick. I have your performance review, and apparently you have some areas to improve upon. This process is rigged. There's also the fact that Finesse's parents were criminals, so there is a lot that these two have in common. She has made a choice.
2: She does not want to be taught to be like Magneto. She wants to learn how to be more like Quicksilver.
3: I do not know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. But man, that is definitely a choice. A choice that no one has ever made before. We're talking about the same Quicksilver here, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> wow. Man, the Avengers Academy keeps on surprising me with all of these character firsts. And I'm going to surprise you with the cover of the book. Woo! Ah! <laughs> all
2: right. We have a very cool cover on this book. Well, What we've got here is we've got the Avengers gate. Imagine this is a very pretty latticed gate that's in front of the Avengers compound. And I can tell you that because I'm guessing it's pretty because it's been bold open. So you only see kind of the outlines of it. You see the A at the bottom. It's all been kind of pushed in because the Master of Magnetism is coming in. And he's standing there and he's got his hand out right in front of his face. So you just see his hand right in the foreground, right behind his his helmeted head, his cloak blowing out behind him. He's like right up in your face. I dig this cover. I would get this cover on a poster
3: in a heartbeat. It is really good. Yeah, it is uh, neat. And you can tell it's the Avengers Academy or the campus with the wrought iron gate that he's opening up because, yeah, a big golden A is falling off of it. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, this is just very, very cool. It was done by... It's done by Rodin Esquio
3: And mm. I,
2: I, I like it. I like it a lot. It's not like a buff Magneto. He's beefy looking. It's a more of a realistic body. It's not like just
3: muscle upon muscle kind of thing. It's not the everybody superhero body, which is generically just like, so every superhero is amazing looking. But I just like the fact that this is an action
2: shot. I mean, you can see this happening. You can hear the metal screeching out of the way. And the way it's set up, it's like mid-action because you have to really look to see that wrought iron gate around the side mm-hmm. and his hand being in front of his face. It's it doesn't seem like the best shot. It's great. It's not like what you would normally think you would do for a superhero pose, and mm-hmm. that that's what makes it even better. It's it's the the slide in between the beginning shot and the end shot is what it yes, is. Yes, it
3: is where the gates all open and torn up. But uh, just as you said, you know, it, it's not quite the superhero pose you were expecting because. Well, you know, Magneto.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, speaking of Magneto, this story is all about Magneto and Quicksilver.
3: Yeah, pretty much. There's some other stuff in there, but it really is. It's about the father and son dynamic that is absolute garbage.
2: Yeah. Again, this is very cool. It is very different from what we saw with Hickman. Hickman, we had, there was a few things that would be happening in a comic, but this just seems stacked after coming off of reading Hickman comics. There is Mm -hmm. so much happening here, so many moving pieces. And like I said, I like Hickman's writing, and I can't help but compare what we have been reading to this and saying, this is kind of how you do a big cast. Mm Because we can see people interacting. We know what's going on with them. And yet, I'm not feeling that people are getting lost. Even though not everybody is talking, we feel that this is a busy campus, that there's a lot going on. And we check in on different groups of people.
3: Yeah, it, like with uh, Metal, I think he had one one line, which was which was after Reptile strong-fouled White Tiger. Sure. Humberto's all like, hey, we can use our powers in this. That was totally legal. And he's like, yeah, even by that definition, I think the, that was still a pretty serious foul. Yeah. Done. It gave you a good character interaction. It gave you a good kind of like feel on the character. It it for Metal, but that was such a great moment where it's just like one line. It's like people... Even if they weren't starring in it, they weren't lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Everybody got little little digs in, and it, or not digs so much, but just they got their little moments to shine, even if it was just like five words in a sentence, and it was really good. That's Like you were saying, there is a huge difference between Hickman and this writer, where Hickman is really juggling actions that are going on. It's almost set pieces, and he's getting set pieces in place. This is really juggling a lot of emotional set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good writing style. I yeah. really like it.
2: I, I'm enjoying what Gage does here. I really like the direction is going. There's a lot of stories that are happening. The setup with Joe Costa being broken. Hank wants to get some other outside information. And who's he going to call? He's going to call somebody who deals with metal. I mean,
3: yeah. let's get somebody who knows how to do this. Yeah. Because Magneto, everybody forgets he also has like force field manipulation and yeah. all sorts of different things. And he can, yeah, yeah.
2: And, and it's a fun reason to bring Magneto in to have the interactions with Quicksilver, to set some interesting comparisons. Because at this time, this is not the only school in existence. And it's kind of a bummer because right now in continuity, I think that they've got, oh, the Strange Academy. That was going on for a while. Yeah. So that's kind of around, but we don't really have the X-Men teaching kids right now. The croco Age, they had a sidebar on that about how they were teaching kids. So that's kind of out of the picture. But at this point in time, we have two books that are really anchored by the fact that they are learning institutions. Mm-hmm. Wolverine and the X-Men, his academy, the uh, Jean Grey School of... Or Jean Grey Academy that's going on. And you have Adventures Academy. Oh my gosh, what a fantastic idea to have these things interact some more. Great. Let's make the world big and lived in. And we can still have our own stories going on too. So let's get some of the seeds with this, with having Cyclops' team come over for a legit reason. And -hmm. we get the cool interaction and ongoing saga of what is Magneto and Quicksilver. (laughs)
3: Yeah, and also just the fact that Magneto, whether he's not in a lead position or whatever, he's still in a lead position, and he's always doing things that's surprising his teammates. Even his de facto leader, Cyclops, where he's just like, Cyclops is talking to Hank and going, hey, thanks, we've been having some bad PR, sorry about all the helicopters and everything. It's actually going to be really good for our image Mm -hmm. to be seen cooperating with the America's super team. Yeah. And Magneto's addition to that is also you're one of the few people that didn't plot the death of my daughter, so... I'm willing to help you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay. we didn't need to bring that up, but uh, that's a sentinel. Let's move on. Oh, they still
2: bring up the decimation that Scarlet Witch did. Oh, oh, well, recently.
3: But that's not like Magneto or Hank and Cyclops talking about it. That was Magneto literally just pointing at Quicksilver and going, you caused this, and no, I didn't. It's the baggage that they have. It was just immediately... Yeah, rife between Although the two. I
2: will say, I think in the Krakow age, they finally put a stake at the end of Decimation. I'm sure that will come up again, but I think they finally have. They've, there's been atonement and forgiveness and moving oddness. And we're ready to talk about some other things. But that was huge for a long time. And Continued strife between Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Magneto. There is some interesting bad blood between all of that. And especially with Magneto and Quicksilver on and off again, are they really related? Are they not related? Right now, they're not related. In this book, they are related. And whether or not they are actual father and son, Quicksilver has always felt like Magneto was a father figure and Magneto's always treated Quicksilver like his son.
3: And there's a huge history between them yes. in, any, in any case. So, yeah.
2: And we are probably going to get back into that. Let's talk about the perceived villains. This is, of course, they are part of the negative side, the terrorist side of the X-Men at the time. Mm-hmm. My boy Cyclops, one of my favorite characters of all time, he is kind of seen as a villain. Yeah, he
3: sh- I mean, he's a man that shoots lasers out of his eyes, Rick.
2: Man, do not make (laughs) me come over there and take away your beers. That's one beer you're not going to
3: Can't take it if it's gone. Devoured by lasers. So you have
2: Emma Frost, you got Magneto, two recognized villains. I know that there's a lot of people that still say, still think that Emma Frost and Cyclops are a great couple and that they see Emma Frost as a hero. I grew up with Emma Frost as being the white queen of the Hellfire Club Mm -hmm. I still, to this day, after reading lots of X-Men comic books, still see her as a villain and I'm waiting for her to turn
3: on everybody.
2: Yeah. I I can't, I can't
3: get past that. Oh, yeah. Well, because even in her her hero phase, she's... She's hard, you know?
2: <laughs> well, even, and that's fine. That is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. I think that's a great character trait for her to yeah. have. She and is a,
3: a neat character. Yeah, she she's is a great really character. great character. She's done a lot of really interesting and neat things.
2: And, and she's done a lot of good things, too. It's just that my first knee-jerk reaction is always going to be yep. she's a villain. And mm-hmm. that's me. That's that's just when I started reading comics. No, I, I
3: get it because I, I'm constantly waiting for the heel turn as well. Yeah. Because it's just like, if it ever happens, it's going to be... It could be yeah, 30 years of 50 years of her being heroic, but as soon as it's like the heel turn, if it ever happens, it'll be like, yeah, I told you. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I told you. She was a bad guy for five years, but now she's, yeah, she's a hero for 30, 93. Five years. I I I, I knew
2: she was bad. I think her hero turn has lasted longer than her villain turn, actually, at this point in time.
3: But I can't give it up. At this point, it seriously has, yeah. I can't give it up. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's the point that Hawkeye's making. Like, why do we have these guys here? They're terrorists. Mm -hmm. They're horrible. We can't give them a second chance. And Hank's like, dude, you and I are the last people. The last people Mm -hmm. in the Avengers that can be making that claim. Hawkeye started out as a villain. And it was... He went up, and I think that it was Captain America that vouched for him, and everybody else was against him. Yeah. I think even even Hank Pym at the time was like, "We can't, you can't get him. He's a villain. He's a criminal. He can't be on the Avengers. Yeah, but that's part of it. Avengers is also about second chances. It's about the criminals becoming better and doing good things proving mm-hmm. themselves yeah, they're
3: kind of like they were the proto thunderbolts
2: well i wouldn't say a, that a, much. i wouldn't go that
3: far no but just uh that's why i said proto hawkeye also brings up a good point after that it's like yeah but how many chances has magneto been given like what 30 when do we learn so <laughs> which i thought was an interesting take too
2: hey magneto always makes valid points <laughs> i've seen the shirt hanks had his turn as a villain too everybody's got their turn as a villain
3: yeah heck spider-man's a villain right now well
2: he's always a villain just ask G. jonas jameson Menace (laughs) More sport as training Mm -hmm. Favorite pastime of any school activity You've got powers Let's learn how to use them responsibly You know, responsibly Like knocking one of your teammates Into a basketball
3: pole. Yeah, that was a hard foul but also, it's always great too because it's like, oh, they're playing basketball again, as they've been doing, I think, in multiple different issues so far. Maybe just in the background of a splash page or something. But they had tank traps and traffic barriers in there as well. Like, this is, I guess, okay. It's a different level. They they play
2: they play using the Harlem Globetrotter rules. Okay.
3: Yeah, basically. Yes, very much. They are so. <laughs> trained to be in the same
2: league as the generals and the Harlem Globetrotters. Decades and decades, the Globetrotters need some new blood.
3: That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mutant blood. Powered blood. <laughs> Giant blood.
2: What's your favorite use of sport as a metaphor
3: for training? Don't put me on the spot like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any sport ones.
2: I was always a big fan of the X-Men using the baseball one. That was cool. But I think that this is a good throwback, and it's something they, they do mention a little bit in the book. Intramural baseball. It was yeah. an old classic with the Avengers, That especially when the West Coast was set up. Yeah, West and East Coast. The Wacko's would always play against the Avengers, and that was a big thing. They would do that in the annual. They would go to one side or the other to play baseball against each other.
3: How yep. fun, you know? Yep, they did intramural sports. X-Men always did intramural, mm-hmm. where they just play baseball with themselves because, you know, woe is me and nobody likes us, and time to go be terrorists.
2: Well, yeah. You say it like it's a bad thing.
3: Baseball terrorists.
2: And we have Julie Power. We have Yay. a good scene with Julie Power. And what's this? What are they talking about? What is being hinted at here?
3: Hmm... Mm. Or not even hinted so much as just hammered at. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, I might be getting into that a little bit later on that, too. But we could talk about it now if we want.
2: I mean, there's not much to talk about. We're going to be talking about a lot more next issue. Because next issue, we get into it a lot. But we're going to talk about this next issue. They get into Julie Power and she has some conversations with somebody. I think I'm just going to say this right now.
3: I think Hazmat's a bit of a jerk. Yeah, like I said, it might come up later. Yeah, I, yes. can,
2: I can see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. I think that hazmat's a bit of a jerk. I think it's going to come out a bit later, too. I think that there is, and this
3: is about 10 years old, but still. No, it's 11 years old right now.
2: Yeah, you don't do that to people.
3: Like I said, it's going to come up later, but no, you don't. You do not. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't do that.
2: All right. You want to talk about those things? Let's go ahead and talk <laughs> about it by getting into the final thoughts. Final thoughts, Jeff. Let's get in and talk mm-hmm, about the Gallery mm-hmm. of Greatness. What piece of artwork do we want to put on the walls of our new school? I mean, it's still sparkling. we got some artwork up there, but we can get some more up there. You know we can. Let's talk about some joke ones. Joke ones, joke ones. We mentioned this in the book. We mentioned that we we're going to get into talking about it a little bit more, but I want to go ahead and say it now. My backup joke one is just called Awkward. And it's at the oh. bottom <laughs> of the page where the X-Men have shown up. They've done the greetings. It's all well and good. But the bottom panel, Cyclops saying hey, Hank, is that a sentinel? And destroy all <laughs> mutants. Destroy all. And then the, the kid yeah. that owns the Sentinel does kind of a hit on yeah. the Sentinel's head. Zzz, welcome, honored guests. Yeah. Let's go inside, <laughs> shall we? Just yeah. sweep that under the carpet. Yeah. The X-Men don't like Sentinels. You have a giant Sentinel sitting there, and everybody's okay with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's- we are going to get into who that character is and what that entire story is later on. I know there are some issues we will touch with it, but for right now, I just have to say... That made me laugh. I'm like,
3: <laughs> hey. There was a number of good things in here. The artwork is amazing in this issue. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things to look at. There was a lot of things being said. There was good a lot going games. on. So, good psychic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep.
2: What is your joke one that is of backup nature?
3: My Backup joke one I call anti-tank obstacles basketball. We've talked about it a bunch. The the kids playing basketball around the tank traps and the vehicle stopping pillars. It just makes me laugh because it's like, yeah, okay, powered sports, powered basketball, but with tank traps and stuff. This is ridiculous. And it's great. And it's hilarious. It's like, if you don't have a danger room, I guess this is what you would be doing. You're like, go out of the court and... uh, I don't know, throw eye beams at each other for a while. Dodge those. I don't know. Yeah, I I see absolutely no problem with it. Plus, I guess these
2: are actually the things that Magneto uses to throw at the students later on. Yeah, he you does know, later. It, yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, just throwing the hedgehogs at them.
2: My top artwork is actually the first page of the book, the, the splash page. And I had to make this my top one because mm-hmm. I call it Frankenstein Fails. <laughs> 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 and this is Hank, and he's holding up pieces of his broken Tocasta machine and he's just distraught and he looks like mad dr frankenstein There, just like he's
3: sweaty he's been going he's been doing like not sleeping working on it for like three days straight yeah
2: i can't fix it i need help and so it just it it was very funny because it definitely is a throwback especially with tigra and quicksilver standing up there if that is not an homage to frankenstein Mm -hmm. sitting over his monster with his girlfriend and his assistant up on the bench. It is an homage to that. It has to be.
3: It was pretty great. Uh, j- there's a thing about that picture that keeps on drawing my eye. Hank's haircut kind of, you know, he's got a you know buzz cut kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it blends into the background uh, wall in a way that constantly makes it go like, why does Hank have a mullet? And I'm like, oh, it's a wall. Never mind. But I keep on okay. seeing that. You know what? Did now I can now? see it too. I can see, see it
2: now <laughs> too. Yeah, I can,
3: I can <laughs> Literally every time I'm like, oh, he's got a mullet. No, yeah. no, he doesn't. <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay,
3: all right, I can see where, yeah, it,
2: yeah, okay, all right, what do you got?
3: <laughs> My top joke one is on page 14 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Friendly Fire is On. And this is when the Bruhaha skirmish has started, and the X-Men and the Avengers Academy people are all, you know, in a, in a scrum together. So Hawkeye just pulls out three explosive arrows and shoots it at the ground of the melee, and it just pops up. It's a pop-up attack on everybody involved. It's just like Tiger Scent flying, Reptile, Emma Frost, Cyclops, Quicksilver, Magneto. Everybody goes flying from the explosion. It's, it's like, no, kids, don't fight. Here's a grenade. It's just ridiculous. You know what? I, I, can, I can understand why. He's
2: afraid that people are going to get taken over by Emma Frost. So and you know what? Mind control. Let's just take everybody out. We're going to yeah, take I everybody out. We're going to sort this out later on. Uh, there's bad things going on. I'm blowing everybody up. I it's I am shooting the hostages, okay? <laughs> <It's-> <laughs>
3: It just cracks me up because he, he's even grumbling to himself. He's just like, yeah, nobody listens to Hawkeye till it's time to yell Avengers Assemble because the mind-controlled heroes are attacking us. Time to throw explosives into the entire party, including the students. I am
2: too old for this, man. <laughs> All right, my backup good art one, and I'm going to do a bit of a theme here, and I think you're going to figure out the theme real fast. But my I first one if is, it's
3: the same theme. <laughs>
2: my first one is boot to the head. Boot to the head! Of the head is what i called it boot to the head boot to the head yep. and it could have been a comedy one but i was looking at i was going it's funny but at the same time no, it's, it's pretty darn cool it is finesse kicking the <laughs> back of magneto's helmet he's got both eyes closed there's a katang there how do you yep. take out the master of magnetism you kick him in the back <laughs> in the of the head and she, she is putting yep. everything into it it is ah oh, it's <laughs> glorious
3: uh, the, in that case, <laughs> might I announce what our probably joint top art one is?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's a page given.
3: twelve called which I called Sweet Chin Music. I call it Eat <laughs> Truncheon Magnet Boy. <laughs> yep, and this is when Finesse and uh, Reptile were on top of the building uh, spying on their elders to see what was going on. And Finesse was just getting more and more mad with her, you know, her, her idol Magneto, and she just busted the window and just... Yep. Busts, through yeah. Busts through the skylight and is falling through the air.
2: And once again, giving it her all, throws yep. a truncheon and just tags Magneto on his chin. Mm-hmm. Chat.
3: Sends him down. So great. Eat so truncheon, great.
2: Magnet boy.
3: Yeah. All Although right. she said, leave me, leave him alone. But we can interpret that to be uh, e- eat yeah, truncheon, yeah. Magnet boy. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All so right. So good.
2: <laughs> okay. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and write into my rubber and glue moment. With psych saying, put a stop to this, Emma. And Emma Frost saying, but I think I could get them a show on Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually not a lot of straight up insults that I could find in here. But what I liked is just, I liked, I like some of the the slow digs. And I think this is one mm-hmm. of these slow digs. It's Emma just being all over Emma. Oh, I can get them a show on Bravo. Just how, how low is this family and how high drama is this family yeah oh yeah that's the level of drama we're talking about here so that's why i like that one.
3: Oh, it's good some of these are really pretty hurtful if yeah the one that i'm about to do it just like when i was looking at it, i'm like oh man that's not even rubber and glue that just hurts this is when pietro and magneto are arguing back and forth basically about who's who's the worst mutant and who's done worse for their for their people pietro's all Th- that wasn't me. It was a scroll. Yes, a shape changing alien masquerading as you was responsible for all of your misdeeds. Really, Pietro, a child could see through that lie and did. Or is there some other reason your daughter won't speak to you?
2: Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-mm. And that kind of leads into my top one where Magneto says, I do not dispute your good intentions, just your judgment and mental health. <laughs> just your judgment and mental again this is not a direct insult this is hurtful this is Mm -hmm. absolutely hurtful yeah
3: which leads to my top one where i pick it for the top rubber and glue because i don't know if it's an insult it Mm -hmm. is so eloquently done i'm like ooh, that's a good one but maybe it's not and this is a Emma, when she's like going, oh well, I could I could do surface scan, but there's a lot of mystic interference going on uh, from all these people, including Tigra. Oh, oh, and by the way, darling, I adore your outfit. Don't let anyone ever tell you it's inappropriate for a teacher. No, that is a. <laughs> I, that's not. An, I, 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 that's not an insult.
2: Mm-hmm. That's not an insult at Tigra. That's an, an insult at all the people out there who have mocked her outfit mm-hmm. and Tigra's outfit and saying it's inappropriate.
3: That could be construed as an insult, but I don't think it is. But it kind of could be because you never know with Emma where she might. You know, it's that, yeah. that backhanded compliment, that compliment sandwich of, "Oh, you're are yeah. you, mm, you're a mean girl, but are <laughs> you? You know, it's I, I just love that so much." Let's talk about the parent of the year,
2: and <laughs> I mean, we've got the
3: same one. This there is no
2: contest. This is Magneto. I mean, come on, man. It's making Yeah, me I know. know he was
3: he was awesome. He got the Reed Award for being such a good dad. Gosh, oh. Man, <laughs> if everybody had a dad like him, the, uh, the world the would entire, be in such a better the place. The entire thing
2: is about Pietro saying, You're a horrible father, and Medito saying, Yeah, you're right.
3: What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just terrible because he comes into the situation where it's just like uh, it's just, it's such family drama where you can kind of see the dad coming in. He's like trying to relate to his son because he starts off and he's like, hey, hi, son, mm-hmm. uh, I gather you're well. Pietro's yeah. immediately up in arms. Yeah, I'm not insane, dad. Just starts that, and they know the buttons to push and then mm-hmm. it's just the assaulting. It's like, okay, fine, you want my help? You can't uh, You can't play soccer anymore. You know, yeah, it's that kind of much. thing. It's the Yeah, it's just...
2: And at the end of the day, too, you also have Magneto you know, just pointing out, "Yeah, guess what? I am a bad father, but you know what? Mm-hmm. You're an adult. Grow up." <laughs> it's like, yeah, but ugh. and at the same time, you're, you're kind of like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, he's right."
5: <laughs> you know?
2: sort of. I hate both. I hate both of them. I hate both of them. Yeah, no,
3: they're they're both terrible. I feel bad for how I feel about Quicksilver, but but Magneto, yeah, very much is just like, hey, yeah, I've given you a lifetime of trauma. You have never met my expectations. I have never been proud of you, and I've always, always told you how unproud of you I am and how I barely even like you. What's your problem now?
2: Yeah, that, that was a no-brainer on this one, but this one I think we're going to have some differences on, and that is most popular and the most shunned. Mm-hmm. Who's the best? Who's the worst in this issue? I think I have an idea about who your worst is. Mine's not the same. Mine I is actually been
3: subtle about it at all. No, mine is actually finesse. Oh, I could see that.
2: The fight was all her fault. I mean, mm-hmm. this,
3: yes. No, that's going to lead nicely into another thing I'm going to talk about. Okay, go for it.
2: I'm just like looking at finesse. I'm going, Magneto and Quicksilver have their own issues. They've got lots of issues. How about you not? light a match okay can you not mm-hmm. do that maybe quicksilver set him set her up a little bit but not much it really was her just saying you know no I, I, i'm gonna go ahead <laughs> and, and i'm standing up for quicksilver and it's like stop no just i've got things to say it's stop so yeah so i i i had problems with her and i have a feeling that you're probably going to bring her as the best that's my guess but who do you have for your worst
3: spoiler she's not my best but my worst is hazmat yeah she was racist to begin yeah. with, where it's just like, Wizkid comes flying by in his, you know, mechanized wheelchair, and she's like, he's like, hey, come on, you gotta come see this. And it's like, why? What's going on, stereotypical Asian kid? A new scientific America come out or something? You know, it's, okay, you're kind of being racist there, Hazmat, yeah. against, you know, like, kind of a similar ethnicity. Her other big shining moment, Julie's like, hey, we're on the same team. We're not phobic here. Just, you know, admit who you are. It's like, it's just, like, you don't do that. You also don't,
2: you Hazmat's don't out somebody, just...
3: but you also don't out somebody who may not know th- they may not know themselves. You know, there's a lot of things where it's just like you don't do th- all of this no. hazmat. You don't do any of this. So, no. my opinion, no,
2: I, and you're completely right. I hazmat is is horrible in this one. She really is. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I I decided to go with Vanessa over is just because man, <laughs> I'm just looking at it like hazmat is the, is the match that lit. A lot of this. So. No, I get it. I yeah.
3: really do get it. Who do you have as your best? Now, here's the fun thing. I didn't pick finesse, but you're going to be surprised who I picked. I picked reptile as the best. Keep That's in mind, odd. reptile at this moment is not the young reptile we know. He's the older mirror, mirror universe, goateed evil version of reptile. Yeah. And reptile is doing the job he's sent there to go do. He is trying to get the... Everybody to fight. He's trying to get everybody to be a villain. Let's cast doubt and be violent towards white tiger, somebody who could be a hero. You know, all these different things. He's trying to break everybody down. Okay, I see it. I see it. I just don't think that makes him popular. I think that makes him kind of a jerk of when everyone looks oh. around and says that he's the guy. That's my opinion. I I no, trust me, I get it. It was just this was just one of these things that I was kind of like, oh, I'm gonna pick so and so. And then I was like, wait a minute, you know, an interesting side is this. It's see, it's controversial. It is controversial. I'm picking a safe one. Hank mm-hmm. Pim. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: He's not afraid to ask or try anything new. Yeah. He's he's willing to ask for help. And he's willing to reach out to, to people who hate the are people who are hated mm-hmm. right now. He's trying to keep the peace as much as possible. He's trying to resolve and find answers. I think he is he is trying. I like Hank Pym here. I like the Hank Pym that's trying to build
3: and fix things. They do him really well in this. They do him really, really well. I like him as well in this. That is who we have as popular and shunned. Let's go ahead and move on and do a
2: ranking of this book. We want to see where this fits into our ever-growing list. Starting with Fantastic Four 588, Month of Mourning. Going down to 22, Runaways, number two. That's where they hunt down Victor, and he discovers he's got powers. Down spot number 42, 27 minutes. Doom sacrifices while Alt-Reed fries. (laughs) <laughs> and bottom of the list, same as always. Hey, but it's a Julie issue. And we got Julie in this issue. This is a good one. I like this. I think this it is, is a well done. Good. It's fun. It's enjoyable. This is actually... Ah, this is up here a bit, I think.
3: Yeah. Academy number 20, Veil Takes Forever to Leave her Friends, is in spot 38. It's near the bottom. It's third from the bottom. I'm looking for... Other one, uh, it's previously. up on number
2: thirteen, spot number thirteen. Oh, really? Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Yeah. First day of school. Costume goes boom. <laughs> I think I yeah. I, I like this better than that one. I do too. Yeah. Fun one.
2: Congratulations, Mr. Grimm. You're handsome again. That's up at spot number eleven. Let's go back. Spot number six. Amazing Spider-Man. Six fifty-eight. There's a lot that happens in that one, and I think that that is still a really good one. That's got a lot of things that happen in it. Right below that, we have Runaways number three. That's where the superheroes fighting with Excelsior and they're failing big time.
3: That's good. That was a good one.
2: I think that this might fit in between these two. Because I think I this once again, we've got a big fight that's occurring between lots mm-hmm. of different people here. There's a lot that's going on. There's really good character development. I, I kind of feel like I'm starting to see how they've got these characters set up. We're learning a little bit more about finesse. Once again, this is a fun jumping into issue number 20 with this, because like, all the characters are established now, so coming in, we just have to figure out what's all going on. I'm enjoying the stories. I think that it's easy to figure out what's happening. You figure out the relationships between people. It's very talky. There's a lot going on. Yeah. But I'm going to say this is gonna be a good spot number seven.
3: I like it. I'm all for that. I think that's great.
2: All right. Not a bad showing. I'm enjoying these books. I think they're kind of fun. So we'll see yeah. where we go with Avengers Academy. Let's find out how Barrel Mountain Brewing be happy. <laughs> why, do, why are these people just happy? They just need to be happy. Just be happy.
3: We've got a Hefeweizen here that we are enjoying. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a tasty beer. It's about the same as when we started? It is exactly the same beer. There has been no change to it all. And that's a good thing. It, it was enjoyable at the beginning, and it's enjoyable at the end. It's great. And we
2: don't have floaty bits of lemon in our beer.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no seeds poking around in there which you might swallow. It's unfiltered looking, but it's not hazed. It's it's pleasant. I'm enjoying it. I could easily just sit. I could be binge watching and just cracking these open left, right and center for for an evening and be quite happy. It's a good 4 or 5. Been watching for me. the Gravity movie with the follow up of House of Gucci. Yeah, that's the one that has Kirk Douglas's kid, Michael Douglas in it when he like falls down, right? I don't even know what you're talking about anymore.
2: All right, so I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a good 4, but Maybe it's a four or five.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm going four or five. I'm, I'm enjoying like it. I was, tr- too. I, was, I was tempted on the five, but the fives are pretty darn special. But I, a, like I said, I would just drink this.
2: I'm looking at the four or five, too. This is a enjoyable beer. This is one that's yes, you are. Be happy.
3: It is not a super complex beer. It is not an overwhelming beer. It is not a gimmick beer. It is just a really good beer. But that now leads us to a segment that I absolutely love and I know what happened to it. It's right here. It is Kids Perspective. And that is where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie.
5: Hello, Daddy.
3: We
2: are back with yet another Avengers Academy book.
5: (gasps) Oh, Really?
2: Yeah. But this one's different, right?
5: Yeah, this one has Magneto and... Cyclops and blonde haired lady named ooh, Emma.
2: Ooh, ooh, many people would be angry at you on the internet for not knowing <laughs> Emma Frost.
5: I kind of, like, I see her sometimes, but I just, I'm not.
2: You just don't follow her?
5: No, I never, like. Man. I never know.
2: Me and my <laughs> friends who, like, you know, we read the comics back in the day, we, like, think Emma Frost, she's evil lady, evil, evil lady. But,
5: i feel like I've heard that too
2: yeah but a lot of people see her as good
5: sue <laughs> still on evil side or no
2: she has actually been a good guy for a long long time
5: I feel like i've heard she's like been in some of the x-men comics that I've taken from you
2: yeah <laughs> that's right the old uncanny x-men ones those ones are the ones that she is a villain and that's where we knew her from but Majority of comics after that, she's been a good guy. So, what are you going to do? But, Mm -hmm. got my favorite character, got Cyclops on there. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good.
5: He appears, shouts Emma.
2: (laughs) Where is the conflict in this book that we read today?
5: I don't know what's going on here, but Quicksilver and Magneto something... I was, like, trying to follow. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, what?
2: Magneto and Quicksilver, they have a father-son relationship. Yup. And there's a lot of comic book backstory that they hint at here. They don't explicitly say, but for a lot of fans who follow comic books, we know what they're talking about. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of baggage between the two. So the, the conflict all comes from that history. Makes things a little tense, right?
5: Yeah. What is wrong with this family,
2: though? <laughs> oh, oh, there have been. There have been essays written on what is wrong with that family. And here's the other catch for you, too. At the moment, Magneto and Quicksilver and Wanda are not related.
5: Yeah. I don't
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it kind of came up that Magneto is not actually their father. But. At times in the past, he has said that he is their father and everyone thought that he was their father but he's not their father.
5: He adopted them? No.
2: There's some confusion. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, but he still has raised them as a father figure and he's bad at it. So, uh, yeah. Whether he's their biological father or not, it's inconsequential it's the fact that he has always treated them like his children and he's not treated them well as his children
5: great father advice maybe um maybe you should go talk with Reed
2: exactly exactly so father
5: father terrible father club
2: you betcha that's what we thought it's that same club that you want me to be in right because I'm a horrible father
5: I no, no, no. You father. Fi- I make you do these father. recordings
2: and and break up your Saturdays by Forcing you to do them with me. Horrible.
5: (laughs) This Saturday was mostly spent unpacking, so.
2: Yeah, and that's what we do in Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. We unpack things.
5: Yeah. (laughs) I'm contributing. Exactly.
2: What'd you think of the other students kind of getting involved and Hawkeye saying, I told you so, and a lot of miscommunication going on? Did you like it? Did you not like it?
5: It was confusing. Yeah.
2: Confusing because there was just a lot of backstory that you didn't know.
5: Yeah. And also, these kids like to get involved in things that they don't really need to get involved in. True. Sometimes. So
2: with Vanessa, she has always admired Magneto and she wanted Quicksilver to teach her about Magneto.
5: Which hurts for him because
2: Because he doesn't want to do that. And now that he she has seen him and seen what he's like. And seeing what Quicksilver's like, she'd rather be more like Quicksilver than Magneto, right? Yeah. You learn, you learn. You learn, you learn. Any other opinions or thoughts on any of the kids, or are you still kind of meh on them all?
5: Kind of meh on them all? Has Matt figured out that Julie was by. What did
2: you think about that scene?
5: I don't know. She was really harsh about it.
2: Is that okay to do to people if you find out that... Just,
5: like, exposing them immediately?
2: Yes. Is that okay? No. Why not?
5: Like, if you, if, like, if you find out that it happens, just keep it to yourself. It's not like everybody needs to know this.
2: Mm-hmm. Who's, who is responsible for publicly stating that information? Got the right to do that.
5: Julie. Yeah,
2: the person who it's about, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. You answered that completely correctly. What would you think I was going to say? That's pretty much what I thought you were going to say. But, you know, i it's good to hear it. It's good to hear it. Yep. It's good to hear it. Any other thoughts or comments on this comic? Nope. All right. Thank you very much for
5: your time then, Carrie. Welcome. I love you. Love you too.
3: Hmm. I have no idea what you said, Carrie, but I'm going to assume you would want to do uh, anti-tank trap playing soccer. That sounds about right. Shoutout time! We like to recognize
2: those lovely listeners that take some time, leave us a review, or say some nice words about us. And this is back for episode 144, where we covered FF number 16, the last FF for a while, One Step Beyond. And that included some nice words by Hoover Jeremiah.
3: Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy
2: Wiggins. Movie Trailers 239. This is just to say... And I'm sorry if we missed you. I've been trying to play a little catch up with our social medias, and uh, you know, social medias are a little touch and go these days. But you know who is not touch and go is our lovely Patreon supporters, and that includes adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns,
3: cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan, challenging, cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears, destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter, dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones, intelligent, interesting and innovative Isaac Barry jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Folier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews.
2: Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles.
3: Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to cover Avengers Academy, issue number 23.
2: We're around sometimes, different places. You might find us, you might not. Sometimes you find us over on the Longbox Crusade
3: Podcast Network. Check them out. They're pretty neat folks. And we have some pretty neat merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to Redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack.
2: Jeff and Merck present is a bi-weekly self produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of an almost-completed, remodeled kitchen in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Blue Sky at Jeff and Rick Present, Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page Jeff and Rick Present, our email address Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or on our website Jeff and Rick Also, we got a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present.
3: And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at Patreon.com Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative and will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to HeroInitiative.org to find out more. Please
2: rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media.
3: And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiancee Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time.
2: Costumes, Costumes off. off. Our theme music is A's Action by Kevin McCloud. Also featured in this episode is Racers Gonna Race. Sport rock music by Dave DeVille. All music is founded in Competech.com and is licensed under Creative commons by attribution for a corner license. www.maestro...
3: Nope.
5: Chack. <laughs> no! Uh. Chack.
3: Apparently, he has really been giving White Tiger some grief, and this brings us to a head. Blech. Chuck, I did look up the theme song, and I was like, "I know this song, but what is it? It's been forever since I've heard it." x expand.
5: Did, did I, I hit it? <laughs> yeah. Chuck.
2: Well, Whiskit is confused. At, well, Whiskit is confused. Well,
3: Whiskit. Chuck. While you were doing that, I did a massive burp, and it is very orange peel flavored.
5: I don't know.